the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. I did turn uh, another year older, 47, uh, one more over here, make sure you get to them. And uh, uh, did turn another year older on Thursday, and it's just an age, just a day. And uh, we're uh, looking forward to what God has in store this year. This morning, as we begin our Mission Sunday, I want us to think about what is it that God would have you to do to impact the world globally uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can you personally make an impact, uh, not only in Raleigh and, and the surrounding areas, Wake County, Johnson County, Harnett County, Chatham County, North Carolina, the United States of America? How can you make an impact uh, even globally as we as a church reach outside of our walls and seek to impact our community and the world with the gospel of Jesus. Um, Melissa Smith grew up here at Calvary. In fact, I remember her as a, as a young child and just the excitement she had about uh, learning and, and growing and her faith as a, as, a, as a child, as a teenager in our youth group. And I remember how God began to speak to her heart about uh, being involved in missions in ways that she could make an impact. And if, if you're tuning in this morning on, online or in person, uh, each one of us have a, a part of that process of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ locally and globally. And Melissa began to capture the, the vision of, of what it was like to reach her classmates in uh, middle school and high school here in, in, in Garner, where she lived and where she grew up, and then went off to Appalachian State and began to uh, get involved in making disciples in the Boone area. And then it was neat to see as God brought her back to Wake County, and she began to teach in the public school system and as a music teacher in ways that God would use her and use her to make disciples here at Raleigh. But folks, the more she got involved, the more that call became solidified. And that calling of God began to challenge her not to just sit by and, and watch as the world was dying without Christ, but he called her to go and, and to be a part of that, taking the message globally. And I remember her first trip to Nicaragua many years ago as a young person she just came back so on fire and just had such a passion. And she's like, I believe God is calling me to the country of Nicaragua. And I, as a pastor, there's no greater joy than to hear that God is calling people from our church uh, into uh, foreign missions. And they're willing to step out and go where maybe most of the rest of us aren't willing to go or can't physically go. But she's willing to go there and, and be a part of a culture. And when she talked about speaking in Spanish, and sometimes you're confused if you're speaking in English or Spanish, I can only imagine because when we go, uh, our, our uh, Spanish is very um, minimal, uh, piquito, <laughs> but uh, when, you get to, uh, when you get over there, sometimes you're not sure when people are speaking in Spanish and English, even in your own mind, is going back and forth trying to keep track of what the right response is or how to respond, but Melissa grew up here and I began to watch is year after year when she would have her summers off uh, as a teacher, she would go to the country of Nicaragua and stay for a couple of months at a time. And God would just begin to do a work in her life. And every time she would come back at the end of the summer and get ready for a new year of teaching here in Wake County, God began to just, uh, that, that pull, that tug, that call of the Holy Spirit became stronger and stronger and God began to do a mighty work. And I remember the day that she said, I'm finishing up my last year of teaching here in Wake County, and she said, I'm preparing to go to Nicaragua. She said, I've, I've applied to teach at Nicaragua Christian Academy, and, 
it was a dream of hers. There's one I remember going with her on a tour of that school years ago and, and, and talking about what it must be like, what it might be like as a teacher to go and to involve yourself in reaching international students. And the school there, their mission and the motto at, at, at uh, NCA uh, Nicaragua is an opportunity to reach uh, they're reaching the uh, upper class society in Nicaragua. And you say, what's the reason for that? Because if you're going to reach the country of Nicaragua, you have to have an opportunity not just to get into the, the villages way out in the, in the outskirts of town and the remote parts of the country. And, and there's churches being planted in all of those areas. But they're reaching out to the politicians' kids, the, the doctors' kids, the attorneys' kids, the, the business owners' kids there in the capital city. And if they can reach them with the gospel and see them come to faith in Christ and make disciples in a setting like that, these are the people that will be the next uh, governor, the next president of the country of Nicaragua, and they can change the trajectory of that nation. And it's an awesome opportunity. They have other schools they've started in other remote areas of Nicaragua who are reaching uh, those poor communities. But it's neat to see the opportunity that Melissa has. These kids will go on to uh, go to college, many of them here in the States, and they'll return to Nicaragua and have an opportunity to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And it's awesome just to see one of our own having an opportunity. So we turn our attention to our text this morning in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want you to be reminded about the task that God has given us. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 verse 2, I'll read a couple of verses before we dive into our text. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you look around us today, the, the church is the minority in our culture today. And by and large, around the world, the church is the minority. But he says the harvest is, is plenteous. In fact, uh, over the last few weeks, I remember we were traveling uh, in the mountains and seeing some pumpkin fields that as far as the eye could see. And my wife was saying, she's like, I cannot get over that. I mean, there was literally thousands upon thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of pumpkins. And and I said, what's so different about that? We see that across the street from the church. They grow pumpkins over there every year. And she says, but you can see for miles, it looks like nothing but fields and fields of pumpkins. And to think that the, the harvest is, is plenty. But what he's saying is, Christ is saying here in Luke chapter 10, the laborers are few. He says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. At the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus said in John chapter 20, he says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So there's a, a call. You and I are the labor force that God has called to go forward and take the gospel locally and globally. And we're the instruments he chose, the vessels through which he wants to communicate uh, his love and his grace and his mercy. And it's in this church, people just like you, that God wants to use us to impact the world with the gospel. And if we go about that work, it must, uh, we must think of it in terms of two fields of labor. We have a, a local field that God has uniquely equipped us to minister in. And, and folks, you can, there's a, a couple of different ways you can look at your local field. You can be frustrated at times and saying, man, it just seems like everything is going to pot in the United States of America. And it seems like everything is, is off of kilter, so to speak. But folks, Christ has called us to be a light 
A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. When I drive into downtown Raleigh, driving up McDowell Street, you see the, the, the beautiful skyline of our city and and it sits up on a hill, and it's at nighttime. It's lit up with all of these colors. And here in a, in a few weeks, uh, when it gets to the Christmas season, you'll see uh, the top of the uh, the PNC building downtown has a, uh, it looks like a giant Christmas tree on top. It, they, they'll light it up green, and some of the buildings they'll light up different colors during the holidays. And, and it reminds me, Christ has called the church to be that city on a hill. He's called us to be a light that lights up a dark world and points others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. No amount of money is going to harvest the fields. But Christ has called us to be the light. He's called us. So there's also another field that we cannot always uh, necessarily go to is the global field. And, and folks, many of you have had opportunities uh, through the, throughout the years to go on a, a global mission trip. And I, I want to tell you, as things begin to open up after the pandemic, I'm looking forward to taking many of you around the world and to see that what God is doing here at home, he's also doing in India and, and Kenya and Nicaragua and, and Panama and Canada and Mexico, all these places around the world. Folks, God has he called us, and he's also equipped us to go and take the gospel message. So that global mission field, I love seeing uh, the reports from some of our missionaries as they talk about how God is radically transforming lives. These are the fields that God has placed his servants in. And I think of Pastor Omar we just mentioned, and we've been praying him over the last several weeks. He had, uh, His family has committed to serving God in Matagalpa, Nicaragua. And, and I love seeing uh, the reports from how God is radically changing lives. And we had the opportunity to help him plant this church and, uh, and reaching uh, the city of Matagalpa, Nicaragua. And it's neat to see how we went in and helped train them on small groups and how to disciple and make disciples who make disciples. And our church has had an integral part of that since 2018. We've been supporting them for almost 23 years and working alongside of him. Uh, Melissa Smith is in Nicaragua, in uh, Managua, Nicaragua, in the capital city. And she is uh, not only an ESL teacher and helped training on music and worship in the church, uh, she's working with Children's Ministry uh, at El Redentor Church uh, with Pastor Fabio. Our church helped build his house uh, several years ago, and uh, we've helped him with several church plants. We've done a number of vacation Bible schools in some of the church plants there in uh, Managua, Nicaragua. Uh, Melissa is now serving on the field there and, and, and is done a, doing an awesome job at reaching people with the gospel. David and Sarah Carroll, our missionaries, our church supports in uh, Arcaverge, Brazil, we took a team there in 2019, and uh, not only is that church thriving in Arcaverge, and, and they're discipling others, but we also helped plant a church in Tupanatinga, Brazil, which is uh, just a couple hours uh, west of there, and had an opportunity to be a part of this church plant. Now, they are building a, a brand new building, and we're getting to see some of the details roll in of, of that second church plant there in Tupanatinga. David and Sarah have been serving, they serve in the jungles of Brazil, uh, on the Amazon River, and now they're serving in the city of Arcaverge, and God's using them in a powerful way. Greg and Wendy Mann, who have gone out, I went to college with them in Jacksonville, Florida years ago, and they are faithfully serving in Guyana, South America. They've had an opportunity to be a part of a number of church plants, I think 15 or more church plants in Guyana. 
Uh, if you think of Jim Jones and the, the craziness that happened in Jonestown, that's just a few minutes from where they minister. So you can imagine uh, the crazy and the, the stigma of religion, and yet they have had an opportunity to go in and make disciples. They're currently building a ministry center there in Guyana, uh, South America, from which they are training church planting missionaries and planting churches all across the country of Guyana, South America. The beautiful thing there is they speak English. <laughs> when we go, we can actually speak uh, the language and to be a part of that. And uh, God is uh, blessing there in supernatural ways. Um, so we can't always be on all of those fields personally. But folks, God gives us a privilege of partnering with other men and women who God has called to take the gospel message around the world. And we can join together with them. And it's a privilege to do so by means of faith promise giving. And so our mission this morning is to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. That begins locally. But folks, it, it can't stop there. It can't just be, well, you know what, let's pour all of our funds into one pot and let's just keep it right here at home and we'll seek to impact our community. That may sound noble, but that's not the call that God has given the church. He's called us to go to the ends of the earth, to take it to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So we've got a calling, and to know that you and I can have that impact, not only locally but globally, is, is powerful. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, he says, verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. He says the gospel of the kingdom is about the kingdom of God, about building God's kingdom. And it's, it's about the reign of God. It's about the triumph of King Jesus over uh, sin and death and, and judgment and, and Satan and guilt and all of these things. It's, it's the good news that not only uh, that we reign as his kings, but that God reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. The aim of preaching this gospel of the kingdom is that nations might come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. They might come to worship Him and adore Him and honor Him and love Him and place their faith and trust in Him and, and know that He is the only true and living God. When we go to India, one of the, the struggles that people have is they will accept Christ as their Savior, but they want to hold on to all of these other idols and gods that they worship. And they'll say, I'll just add Jesus to my uh, plethora uh, uh, of gods. And we have to show them from Scripture how Jesus is the only way. He is the only truth, the only life, and there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And so showing them and, and compelling them to place their faith in Christ alone is vital for their understanding of the gospel. Over and over the Bible declares that God does not does what he does so that his name might be proclaimed in all of the earth. The central theme of missions is summed up in Isaiah chapter 12 verse 4. It says, make known his deeds among the people. Proclaim that his name is exalted. And folks... Mark it down and don't forget that Christ, God is passionately committed to his fame. He's committed to allowing the nations of the world to understand that God loves them. And folks, it's vital when we go to do ministry in other parts of the world that we don't come in thinking we've arrived. In fact, 
it's easy as Americans to arrive on a mission field and on a mission team and everybody's got their phone out and they're videoing everything and they're trying to take selfies and, you know, trying to get it all in. And the reality is, is we have to put that stuff away and immerse ourselves into their culture Allow them to see that we don't think we're better than them because folks, we're not. In fact, we get together and worship. Man, I'm telling you, some of the most powerful worship experiences I've ever been have been in other, country, other countries, in other contexts. And I think I told you one of the first times going to India, uh, and they had us up at 9 p.m. The service was starting. I'm sitting there thinking, I can't think of a single church in town where people are packing the pews uh, at 9 p.m. On a, on a Friday night. But that night it happened, and people were all, and all of a sudden the music started cranking up. And Ray, I've been telling you, they weren't holding back. It wasn't, you know, this little, you know, this little light of Yeah, no, it was passionate, and they were singing, and tambourines are jamming, and drums were banging. And I mean, it was crazy. Crazy before long, they're like, You got to get in line. And I was like, What's the line for? And it was like a Christian conga line. And I mean, we were dancing around the whole entire church. And I was looking to the other people with me. I was like, If our church could see us now, I was like, They might not even let us back in, but I'm totally playing. But it was fun and it was exciting and it was a, a spirit filled time of worship. And folks, it doesn't matter if it's in English or not. Every time I've been in, a, in an environment like that, you feel and sense the power of God radically transforming lives. And why do we join together to support the work of men and women that we don't know? So that we could reach people in places that we don't know, and, and, and we could go to these places. Some, so those people will ultimately know the name of Jesus and claim him as their Lord and Savior. This morning, I want, to, I want to challenge you that it's our privilege to proclaim that name and to support the missionaries who are proclaiming the name of Jesus. So as we support them, as we make an investment in the kingdom of God, folks, those God has called and, and equipped and empowered can be faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Take your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to show you a group of churches that also made an investment. And as they begin to give toward missions work, they begin to see God do something so supernaturally in their own lives that it, it was, it's just incredible to think of what, ha what was beginning to take place. And these people were living in a, in a time where uh, money was tight. Uh, things were, were difficult. They were going through difficulties in their, in their own world. And, and yet God began to work in such a supernatural way. The churches, the people of Macedonia began to give sacrificially to the work of God. And God began to give a, a great time of harvest. And there were three things that were present in this, these people of Macedonia. Look at our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning of verse 1. It says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been giving among the churches of Macedonia. But in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that 
as he had started, he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Lord, maybe for the, for the next few moments, may we focus our attention on your word and the churches here at, at Macedonia and how you gave them a, a, an understanding of what it meant to give willingly and allow you to use them to impact the world with the gospel. Lord, help us to see outside of our uh, the walls of this church and God see a a local community and, and a world around us, God, that desperately needs you. Lord, help us to desire to make your name known and proclaim it to the nations. And God, would you do a mighty work in our hearts this morning? Begin with stirring in my heart. And Lord, stirring with the hearts of each person that's present here in this room. Those that are tuning in online today and will listen over the course of the next week or next few weeks. God, would you stir in our hearts a desire to be involved in worldwide missions and global missions. And Lord, help us to see the opportunities before us, Lord, that we can get involved and impact the nations, even from our own home, from our own home church. And God, may you stir our hearts to do more in this area of faith promise given. We'll be careful to praise you. All of God's people said, amen. Let's look, first of all, there's three areas that, that, uh, Christ is wanting us to see, and Paul is trying to get the churches of, of Corinth to understand. He says the churches of Macedonia truly understood the concept of faith promise giving, and they understood what it meant to be involved in reaching the nations. We see in verse 2 they had a willing heart. There was a willingness of the people to be involved, to involve themselves in the area of making disciples. The Macedonian believers we're suffering from great poverty. Just to give you a little bit of a, a, of idea of what they were going through, that they were in horrible financial straits. They had gone through much persecution. They had gone through exclusion. There was a series of earthquakes that had caused crop failures, and so many of their livelihoods evaporated before their eyes, and they were struggling in how to make ends meet, so to speak. However, in spite of their poverty... They were willing to collect offerings and to aid their Christian friends in other parts of the world, other regions, the, the church in Jerusalem and, and other churches around the world. As they were gave with joy, they gave abundantly that God might use them to reach the world with the gospel. Paul was so moved by their love and their willing hearts that he taught every church after them as he would plant churches, he says, the churches at Macedonia is the model for what all of us should be doing at reaching the world with the gospel. In other words, he says, as God has blessed us, let's give sacrificially and allow us to be used for his glory to take the gospel around the world. So he was so moved by their, their willing hearts that every time he would start a, a new church in a new city, a new country, he would go and he would share this, the, the model, and he used, he held them up as an example. If you want a church to model, if you want a church to, to look at their, 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 their plan and, and model your plan after, he says, this is the standard by which 
our churches should be giving. You see, the churches at Corinth struggled. They were carnal. They, were, they weren't giving faithfully, and they were saying they were doing all these things, and yet they were neglecting that area of giving. So he says they had the resources, but they didn't have a willing heart. So Paul is challenging them. He says, I want to challenge you to have a willing heart. In the Old Testament record, Moses is preparing the people to, of Israel to build the tabernacle of God. And when it came time to finance the work that God had called them to do, uh, it would have been easy just to say every family contribute a certain amount. And, and, and all of you, all of us have to give a certain amount to the, the building of the tabernacle. But listen to how uh, he instructed Moses, what he instructed Moses to say in Exodus 35. He says in verse 5, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze. In other words, this was an offering over and above tithes and offerings. He says, give of a willing heart. In other words, he's wanting them to understand you have an opportunity here to be a part of the mission of God and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. In, in the next chapter, Exodus 36, says in verse 3, and they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing and said to Moses, the people bring much more enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material that they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Imagine the people of Israel were so faithful and so generous in giving above their regular tithes and offerings and doing the, the rebuilding the tabernacle that he finally said, hey, we have too much money. We don't even have a need for it. And so we're not going to take up any more offerings the rest of the year. Can you imagine any church in America or around the world saying, hold off people. We have got so many resources that have come in that we're, we were asking you just to take a, take a break for just a little while while we finish the building of the tabernacle and we finish the building because there's such a surplus of, of your faithful giving and tithes and offerings and, and, and giving over and above. Imagine what would take place if we had enough funds to fund the missions work around the world, if every church would just be faithful in this area of, of giving to missions, what could God do in helping us radically transform not only our city, but the world with the gospel? These people, these were the people who had just left Egyptian bondage. Oh, that we would have such a heart for God that it, we would have to stand up and say, we'd have to have uh, Dave McGinnis, our chairman of trustees, say, uh, church, we're not even going to take up an offering the rest of the year because the, 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 the offerings have begun to come in such, uh, such abundance. We, we don't really have any need for any other resources at this time. Imagine hearing that on a, on a Sunday morning and, and just the faithfulness of God's people. All of it takes is a willing heart. God can do more with a dollar and a willing heart than he can do a hundred with a hundred dollars and a grudging heart. 
Imagine if we would just say, God, everything I have belongs to you and I want to give it back. I want, to, I want you to use it for your kingdom, for your renown. Imagine what God could do with that versus us saying, well, you know what, I'll give $20, I'll give $100, but our heart's not in the right place. And we have a bad attitude about it and we feel like you've been guilted into something. Peter Drucker said this, he says, what you have to do and the way you have to do it is incredibly simple. He said, whether you are willing to do it, now that's another matter. Imagine this morning, what, what God has called us to do is, is a simple process. But he says, whether we're willing to actually do that is a whole other story. He goes on, do we have a willing heart? But secondly, do we have an open wallet? In verse 7, Paul told the Corinthian church, he says, to see that you excel in this act of grace also. In other words, he's saying, don't be so tight-fisted that we're holding on to everything like it's our last time. Sometimes the wealthiest people on the planet can be the most miserable people because they're always worried someone's taking advantage of them. Someone's going to fleece them or, or steal from them or take something that, that, that belongs to them. And, but what is he saying? He says, have an open wallet, have open hands because God will give to us what he can give through us. As we're faithful with what God has blessed us with, He will allow more to come into our, our fold, so to speak. And so what, is, what grace is that? He says in verse 2, he says, In spite of the severe test of affliction, the church of Macedonia, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. In other words, their abundant joy and deep poverty abounded. It burst forth into great quantity to rich generosity. Even though they appeared to have nothing to offer believers in other areas, they were so generous in their giving that the churches of Macedonia were giving abundantly. And such, such abundance that it was going all over the world and reaching people with the gospel. You know, heard this statement said by a pastor. He stood up before his congregation. He said, church... I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is there's enough money here to do all of the work of God. The bad news is it's still in your wallets. And so when you think about it, there's enough money to, to fuel the, the, the work of God. But folks, it's still in our, in our resources. It's still in our wallet, our checkbook. It's still in our, in our care. And God's wanting us to be faithful in giving and have an open heart, an open mind, an open wallet to what God wants to do. You believe in the model prayer? In fact, in Jesus, uh, in the Gospels, begins to share with his disciples. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught us how to pray. But folks, do you really believe that's how God wants us to pray? He gives us kind of an example of how we should pray. Do you really want what God asks for? Do you really want what he wants from and when we talk to him in prayer? And think about it for just a moment. Take out your wallet if you have your wallet. Uh, if you have a checkbook, take it out. I'm not asking you to give anything right now. I'm, I'm asking you just to think about it. Or if you have a phone, take out your phone. And, uh, and you have the, there's the, the, the church app, the church center app is on your phone, hopefully. Uh, if you're giving, if you're tuned in in, in small groups, uh, you can do that. But go to that and think for just a moment. What does the, the prayer say? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
What's he saying? He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is where, church? In heaven. So we want God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So think about, for just a second, when I say get that out, that giving up the, the, uh, the wallet or the, the checkbook, put that on the table, so to speak, and, and say, Lord, I want you to have first place and I want you to do in my life, through my giving, through my checkbook, through my resources, I want you to have first place. And I want you to do on earth as you are accomplishing in heaven. So when you go through that prayer, it says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want your kingdom to be revealed in my finances. I want the things that are imported, and folks... Uh, we've talked about uh, how our, our phones give us an update. Mine does it on Sunday morning of how many minutes I've been on uh, online or on my phone, on my device that week. And sometimes it's rather embarrassing. Uh, if your kids are playing on uh, video games on their, uh, on their devices, it's probably, uh, you don't even want to know the, the amount of time they've been on there. But uh, the reality is, is you can go to your checkbook, you can go to your online banking and you can see where people's priorities are. Amazon, Amazon, Target, Marshall. I mean, you, you go, uh, all these places to eat. I mean, whatever your favorite place. I mean, and it's just there over and over. Starbucks, Starbucks, Star. I mean, good gracious. I mean, with, with, with Costco coming across the street, Chick-fil-A and Starbucks and Sheets. I mean, we're broke. I mean, seriously, all the money's gone. But, uh, it, but the reality is just, what is our priority? If we truly care about the kingdom of God, we'll want to be involved and have a, a, not only a willing heart, but an open wallet. He's encouraging us, be generous with your offerings. Be like those Macedonian Christians who in their deep poverty and overflowing joy gave richly. In fact, Paul said they gave according to their ability and even beyond their ability to give. Why is that? Because they had willing hearts and they had open wallets. But there's also a third reason. There was a move of faith that was taking place in the churches at Macedonia. And folks, this is really where it takes root in our lives. When we desire for God to do something through us, He begins to do a move of faith. What would move a people who have nothing to give something so generously? That's called faith. When you realize what Christ has done for us, he took our place on the cross and died and was buried and rose again and, and paid for our sin debt. The Macedonian believers had that kind of faith. The Corinthian church did not. And so Paul is challenging them. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, over just a couple of chapters, verse 9, he says, I don't want to appear to be frightening with you, you with my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and strong. And Paul didn't beat around the bush. He was known for going straight to the heart of the matter. He says, but his bodily presence is weak. His speech of no account. Let such a person understand that we say by letter when absent. We do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another, compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us, to reach even to you. 
For we were not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that your faith increases. Our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Paul was saying, he says, our desire is that not only are we able to take the gospel message to the churches here at Corinth, he says, but we want to go far beyond that. And with your help, with your faithfulness, God can take the word of God to the ends of the earth. In verse 15, it says, as your faith increases in the area so that you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. Think of the faithful people who shared the good news of the gospel with you. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher as a child. Maybe it was a, a camp counselor or camp worker. Maybe it was a, an Awana leader or a, a youth pastor or a youth leader, volunteer that volunteered in your church. Maybe it was a, 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 an adult Sunday school teacher who was preparing week after week or, or a life group leader or a pastor or, or, or a missionary who spoke at your church. And God used that person's testimony and influence to impact your life in such a way that Christ radically saved your soul. So he says, don't let it just stop here. Let it go beyond where you're at and give back so that others might hear the truth of the gospel. God forbid any of his work ever be put on hold because there's a lack of faith to open our wallets and our hearts to give to the area of missions. What does God want to do in our life? Our greatest resistance is not going to be Satan this morning. Our greatest resistance is not going to be a lack of money. It's not going to be a bad job or, or a, a, a spouse who's unwilling to, to participate. Your greatest resistance this morning is going to be you. See, what happens is we live in a, you say, well, Pastor, we're living in a pandemic. I mean, inflation is, is skyrocketing. Have you filled up your car in the last week? I mean, uh, have you seen the price of, of your groceries in the last few weeks? Have you seen what's happening around our world? And, and they're wanting to raise our taxes. Don't, don't buy the lie that your taxes aren't going to go up. Our taxes are going up every single day. Every time I fill up my car, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm getting taxed to death. But at the end of the day, folks, in spite of all of that, God still wants us to be faithful in giving. He's called us to make an impact with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So in verse 7 it says, As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. What's he saying? He says, Continue on, not only sharing the good news, but in the, the grace of giving as well. He says, be faithful. I earnestly believe our desire is to abound in the grace of giving to the work of God. Offer yourselves to him today. Say, Pastor, what's the application? How do we wrap this all up? Faith promise misses giving is giving an amount over and above our regular tithes and offerings. It's saying, I want to commit to reaching the nations of the world with the good news of the gospel. And I'm going to personally invest in seeing people around the world come to faith 
in Christ. Every dollar that's given to Faith Promise Missions, which is a, you can designate that as a designated gift. Uh, when you go to our, our app, that's one of the options to, to give. It's over and above the re- what it takes to fund the local church ministry here and pay the light bill and the, the mortgage payment, all of those things. Those happens through our regular tithes and offerings. But when we d- give to missions, that money, 100% of that is going outside of our local community to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity to do that. Take that book right now, if you would, and just open it up. The missions booklet on the inside, we open up in that very first page is the, there's a card that's in there. If you take that out and just pull it out of the, the, the booklet, that commitment card is an opportunity for the church to budget how we can spend the missions dollars and who, how we can support missions over the course of the next year. So I wanna encourage you to take that card out. We're not gonna fill it out quite yet, but I want, it's an opportunity to, uh, for each one of us to have an, a willing heart an open wallet, and to see a move of faith of God in our lives. In a few moments, we're going to have a word of prayer. And what we're going to do is pray that God would move in our hearts and show us what he would have us to do over the course of the next year in giving to missions as a church. What is he going to do through you to support the missions efforts of, of Calvary Riley Church around the globe? And if you notice, there's no place to sign your name on the card. This is not something that someone's going to call you. You're not going to get text reminders every week. Uh, you hadn't given the missions this week or this month or this year. No one's going to do it. But what it does is it enables the church to know how we can budget uh, missions dollars for the course of the next year. And it enables us to know the amount of money we can use to support mission projects and send mission teams over the course of the next year. Uh, to make an impact globally with the gospel. It's a weekly giving amount over and above your regular tithes and offerings to the budget. It enables us to budget for next year. Let me just say this, every one of us can do something. Every one of us can do something in this area of giving to missions. As we pray, ask the Lord what he would have you to do in supporting the worldwide effort of Faith Promise Missions next year. Your faithful giving helps fuel the mission of God to take the good news of Christ around the world. Our our goal for the next year is $40,000. And over the next 12 months, together as we sacrificially give, we're praying that God would use us to go even beyond that to impact the kingdom of God to the nations over the course of the next year. Let's go to Lord in prayer as we pray and get ready to make commitments. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Lord, it's a, it was a joy to hear what you're doing through uh, Melissa and her ministry there in Nicaragua and to see uh, a life who's been transformed by the gospel. And Lord, she's willing to leave the comforts of home and the, the place that she knows and family and church family and all of that to go and, and faithfully uh, serve in the country of Nicaragua. Lord, it's, it's exciting to see Pastor Omar planting churches in, all across Nicaragua. and uh, Lord, to see uh, Dave and Sarah Carroll moving forward and planting new churches in the country of Brazil. And, and Lord, there's missionary efforts all over the world that we have an impact in on a weekly basis as we're giving. God, would you stir our hearts this morning? Lord, help us to have a willing heart 
to do what, you've call, what you're calling us to do. God, help us to have an open wallet that's willing to uh, allow you to give to us so you can give through us to support the area of, of worldwide missions. And God, would you give us a move of faith? God, help us to take that next step and commit to what we believe that you want to give through us on a weekly basis over the course of the next year. God, would you do something supernatural right here in our hearts and our lives this morning? We'll be careful to praise you, give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.